That was before I'd met him. Back when he was captain of the Black Pearl. What? He'd failed to mention that. He plays things closer to the vest now. And a hard-learned lesson it was. See, three days out on the venture, the first mate comes to him and says everything's an equal share. That should mean the location of the treasure, too. So, Jack gives up the bearings. That night, there was a mutiny. They marooned Jack on an island and left him to die, but not before he'd gone mad with the heat. Pirates of the Caribbean You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots, I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. For our bonus episode, we wanted to talk about a kind of emotion, but a lot more character trait. The kind of character that keeps things close to the chest, close to the vest, as it said in that quote. This can be an incredibly hard character to write, especially if he's not your point of view character, because not getting any information is bad. Because we don't tend to connect with and we think characters are boring if we don't get any information. You obviously don't want to give too much information because then they're not a close to the chest kind of character. So how do we strike that balance? It starts with understanding that this idea of keeping something guarded can either be one particular thing in their life or their entire personality. Knowing which part of the spectrum your character is on is the first step to knowing how to play out this guarded kind of character. I also want to point out that this kind of character is exactly what the pet the dog moment is for. They're going to be very guarded around people. People will have agendas. People will try to manipulate them. Whatever their reason is for being guarded or playing things close to the chest, Dogs aren't going to do that to you because dogs are fantastic. And that is the opportunity for them to show a little spark of humanity, even if they are very guarded otherwise. So let's dig into the synonyms, how a guarded character may be described. Most of the time, the synonyms for this are very negative. It is the cynical, the cold, the heartless sociopaths. Some of the more positive words you can use would be things like mysterious or aloof or even ethereal. I think Galadriel from Lord of the Rings is a good example of this. She has stuff going on internally, emotionally, but we don't see any of it externally because she has to maintain this regal Queen of the Elves persona. And of course, you have your antonyms of that character that just has their heart on their sleeve. They're very open, very honest. The cliche is the Hufflepuff. Now, when you have a character that plays things guarded, you need to understand the root emotion. And it can really be a lot of different things. It can be anxiety or distrust from a past trauma. If it is that kind of trauma-based guarded, it's usually going to be about a particular thing or a small set of things. They're very guarded about giving too much information away, like in the case of Captain Jack Sparrow from our quote. Or on the flip side, if it's maybe just their personality that they're very closed off person, then they're going to have a lot more of that. It's just who they are. They don't reveal a lot about any part of themselves. 
So let's take a deeper look into that first group, the ones who had a particular trauma that has then forced them to be playing things closer to the chest. Some examples of this would be Waxillium from Alloy of Law or perhaps William Butcher from The Boys. These are characters who were relatively normal until a particular trauma happened to them and they learned their lesson from said trauma and now try not to be friends with anybody. So it could have been a incident where they were catastrophically misunderstood. Now they just don't explain themselves about anything because they don't want to be misunderstood. They'd rather be seen as aloof and rude than explain something wrong. And remember that this type of behavior comes from a social trauma of some kind. It's not just that their wife died, but somebody blamed them and maybe even they blamed themselves for their wife dying. This playing things close to the chest ends up being a defense mechanism against a social pressure or guilt. As an example that you brought up, Wax from the Mistborn Era 2 Alloy of Law, he puts all of the guilt on himself for his wife dying and changed his whole lifestyle because it was his fault. And then he compounded that with the guilt that his sister died because he wasn't there for her, and so did his uncle, and everyone in his family is dead because of him. So he is just consistently trying to cut the ties between him and anyone else because it's his fault everyone he loved died. So when any character in a social setting would ask him about his past and his time in the roughs, he becomes very evasive because he doesn't want to say, oh, well, I shot my wife. And in later books, he ends up playing up this cowboy-esque quality to put on a show and not be seen as who he really is. So that's one kind of standoffish, antisocial, playing things close to the vest kind of character. The other is sometimes they're just like that. It could just be part of their personality. They could actually be a sociopath that doesn't feel real emotion or connection with other people. And that's just how it is. There's no root emotion there unless it's an absence of emotion. These characters would be something like Sherlock or House or even Jack Reacher. A lot of these characters that are antisocial do it to avoid forging connections or they just simply don't understand why everyone else isn't like that. Reacher spends a whole lot of time thinking, if this person would just shut up and actually take a look around, they'd get to the same conclusion I was. If you want to have this kind of character, it needs to be for a very specific purpose. You can't just throw in an anti-social Sherlock kind of character because you want to. Make sure that your antisocial character isn't an antisocial person just so they can become a love interest. This is not supposed to be a romantic thing. It's an antisocial thing. It's someone who plays guarded that does not make them mysterious or interesting. That makes them guilty at best. <laughs> not a good match for anybody because they're not going to be, you know, a good communicator. Oh, but he, he opens up to me. Therefore, it's romantic. Does he, though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, any romance is unhealthy, but this is especially one that's very unhealthy. <laughs> so how does this kind of character get represented in a story and how is it presented to the readers? 
it usually presents as other emotions, especially coping mechanisms, if it is that character who is guarded because of a trauma. Included in those coping mechanisms can be a very dark sense of humor. So if a character is joking a lot, they're deflecting a lot of that attention away from themselves so they don't have to open up. Another thing that you're often going to see with these kind of characters is a very weird job. It's very unlikely that someone who is very guarded and antisocial works at a call center. Or if they do have a normal job, they are still seen as an outsider within the job. You have House, who is a doctor, very normal job, but he is very rude and nobody really gets along with him in most cases. I also challenge you to name any mortician in cinematic history that is remotely mentally sane. At best, they're very guarded. NCIS. Ducky. Yes, Ducky is completely normal, so is Abby. Great. (laughs) Abby's not. Ducky's more normal. Ducky is not considered normal. First time you meet him, he's talking about how terrible Americans are at tea as he's, like, standing over a dead body. (laughs) Okay, that's that's accurate. (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong. More normal-ish. He's very British. But, I mean, look at Psyche. That mortician's perfectly normal. Dresden Files, yeah, not so much. He becomes a Jedi later on. (laughs) (laughs) Often with your characters who that's just who they are, anything they do to appear normal makes them more abnormal. So they're going to be incredibly awkward with things like trying to make small talk and bringing up the state of quantum physics lately because that's in the news and that's what you talk about with small talk. These kinds of things where their attempts to appear normal just make them look weirder, which is fun to write. Also remember that this guardedness is often a defense mechanism. It is something they employ intentionally because they don't want to get hurt again. They don't want to be vulnerable. So they keep people at arm's length. And if they are opening up, again, it's not going to be to a human. Those pets, those plants, even their rocks in their garden, whatever it is, what they deem safe is something that won't judge them. Not necessarily something that won't physically hurt them, but something that won't judge them for whatever it is they have to say. These are great opportunities for you as the author to humanize and avoid that mistake that we talked about at the beginning of the episode of making the character boring because we don't see any emotions from them. This can often come in play during their character arc. If you do give them that human that they can finally connect with and they can finally open up with, I'm thinking in particular Sherlock and John Watson. So Watson can be the person to call Sherlock out on his antics. He can be the one to go, yeah, well, that's Sherlock. I'm sorry for what he said. He, he doesn't mean it. He's just, for being as smart as he is, he's an absolute moron. So there are a lot of ways to bring in this character and a lot of things to think about in this character, but showing it in your story is really the hard part. One of the more important things that you need to remember is that you cannot be coy with your audience. You need the readers to be able to relate to the main character. I think Sherlock is actually a very good example of this. 
Because while Sherlock is technically the main character, the point of view character is someone that we can connect with better and we can rely on to give us a true narrative of what's happening. I would say make sure that we see some of this character's humanity, that pet the dog moment or whatever it is, in Act 1. We see them practicing small talk in front of the mirror. The best friend character kind of catches them doing this. Seeing this humanity in the character should happen by the end of Act 1 or else the reader's not going to like the character and they won't care about the close to the chest or whatever guilt or trauma, whatever it is. They're just annoyed at this character and therefore annoyed at you, the author. And if you do have your point of character as that guarded character, be open with the internal dialogue. Often, if that character is just, that's who they are, they're introverted, they probably have a very long internal dialogue running. So that is how you can represent them. Yes, externally, when they're in dialogue with other characters and they're moving around, they can be super weird and awkward, but internally, they're making a lot of sense. Of course, the exception to this, making sure your reader understands fully who the character actually is, not just who they present as. The exception would be the unreliable narrator who would be saying things like, I'm perfect in every way, don't worry about me, we're moving on, those kind of things. We have done an episode on the unreliable narrator, so feel free to check that out if that's more the path you're going. But if you just have a main character who is playing things close to the vest, making sure that you are communicating what's happening inside to your audience is key in making sure that people like the character and aren't annoyed at you, the author, for inserting this character. Another thing that these characters will often do, especially the ones who have taken on this attribute because of trauma, they will often wear the labels others have given them, especially the negative ones, in order to cover up the truth. It's that comfortable lie kind of mentality. So if they're confronted about something, they'll respond with, well, I've been told I don't have a heart or I don't have a soul kind of a thing. So it'll often also come with that edge of dark gallows humor. You'll also see a lot of comfort in the types of things that other people find uncomfortable. Normal social people will find a dead body uncomfortable, but they might be totally comfortable with the body because it can't harm them, it can't judge them, it can't do all of these things that normal humans will do. It's something that they can understand easily. There's also a balance to strike in these kinds of characters when it comes to how they handle and respond to different emotions. You can have those Sherlock kind of characters that don't understand emotions well, especially in others. Or you can have characters who are very guarded, yet feel and understand emotions better than most everyone else and that's why they work so hard to control them, or they gain that power because they worked so hard to control those emotions. These characters have often studied emotions, especially if they at any point in their life made an attempt to be part of the normal quote-unquote crowd so that they would be able to act normal. I would say even Sherlock has a little bit of this better understanding of emotions in certain aspects than Watson. He talks about bitterness being a paralytic, in the TV show. That's not something that Watson would even recognize. It's something he knows by instinct. 
Whereas someone who is antisocial or playing things close to the chest, they are one to analyze and study emotions so that they can fake it really well. Now, these characters who are guarded often have a lot of emotions working in them. So they are going to have outbursts, very careful outbursts to make sure no one else can see them, especially strangers. These outbursts are often going to be a tear-filled anger at some kind of situation that they cannot control, that they wish they could control. So they're standing around in the war council and then somebody bursts in and says, Sir, your son is dead. And they finish the war council and he sends everyone away. Then when he's alone in the room, he has this outburst. He flips over the table. He's throwing things. He's upset. He's angry. He's not going to let his war council know that he's having this emotional outburst. But there is often somebody who does witness from the shadows. And that someone who witnesses is going to be a key part of having this guarded character. You want a character who can see past the antics, who can recognize what's really going on. It's that Hufflepuff's adopt a Slytherin kind of dynamic. These types of interactions not only make for a lot of fun and healthy balance within your storytelling aspects, but they help bring out the humanity in the character who may have lost touch with it or the character who's burying it so deep that they never express it. That's kind of the joke online is that the Hufflepuff character makes the Slytherin get a makeover. They're still going to do it their way, but they're getting them out of their shell. They're getting them to stop and smell the flowers. This is also the key kind of character for any of those guarded characters who may try to become a martyr. The ones that say, well, I'm the only one who can do this, so I will die for the cause. You have their counterpart who says, you're being an idiot. No, you don't have to die and calls them out on it. They need that character or they would be dead already. Something you also have to know when establishing this dynamic is how the cinnamon roll character knows that the close to the chest character is experiencing something, something that they see past and how they see past. Know what your close to the chest person's tells are or when they say something, call them out on their lying and say, no, you're actually feeling something. This often comes because they've either learned it the hard way or they've just been together for a very long time and they've been able to see the ups and the downs and those secret hidden moments. So they've begun to recognize what that character is really experiencing and really feeling. I know it's very popular to do this in romances where the cinnamon roll and the grumpy one fall in love and blah, blah, blah. I actually think this dynamic is a lot more effective if they're best friends, the bromance type thing that you get with Sherlock and Watson, where they're both facing the same challenges together instead of the challenge being the other person. My favorite example of this has to be from the Stormlight Archive. This is my shocked expression. <laughs> so in the most recent book, Rhythm of War, you have this dynamic with Adolin and Shallan. They are married. They have a very communicative relationship and it works out really well. And then you have Kaladin in there 
And he has developed a bromance with Adolin. And it is adorable because you have golden retriever Adolin, who is just there for everyone in his life who has bucket loads of trauma. And you have Kaladin, who is the most depressed sad boy there has ever been and very guarded about all of his emotions. So Adolin is able to use his sunshine golden retriever energy to worm his way into Kaladin's depressive mode and pull him out and get him to open up and respond. And I love the dynamic between those three. There is an element to the social circles of this antisocial character that I feel like a lot of storytellers miss, and it makes the character feel less antisocial. That element is having a character who doesn't get it. Because if everyone sees past his bravado or whatever his defense mechanism is, then he's not really a close-to-the-chest kind of character. So most of your characters, especially secondary and tertiary characters, are going to look at him and go, well, that's Sherlock. He's just a jerk. But you need to have that character like Anderson who just does not see who Sherlock is. He does not see the emotions behind Sherlock. He just sees a rock wall of a person. Because if we don't have Enid, who is the juxtaposition for Wednesday in the recent TV show, then we don't have anyone saying she's weird. Therefore, we don't really start to see her as weird. We just have people who are accepting of her, and it's less Wednesday weird. And then, of course, you have rumors. The rumors that surround this character that spread like wildfire help fuel this idea of the character being weird or standoffish or aloof in some kind of way. You'll have other characters saying stuff like, oh, well, I heard he was like that after he fell into a vat of acid. Or, oh, I heard him say once that this and this is why he's this way. All of these rumors, none of them are true, but they all tell a story that the rest of the world understands about this closed off character. Now, for how this character physically moves in their space... Where in the last episode, we had that guilty and apologetic character that is very closed off in their body language by hunching their shoulders and getting very small. These guarded characters are more likely to turn away entirely. They're not lacking in confidence. They're just very careful about who they communicate with and who they show their real emotions to. So it's very exclusionary rather than collapsing. You'll also see these characters giving a fair amount of very mild violence in order to get their point across. I think of Gibbs from NCIS, where he's very emotionally distant and he's just there to do his job and keep his team running well. But his sign of affection is bopping one of his team members upside the head. Because these characters tend to not express their emotions very well, if they do get into a spot that makes them uncomfortable, they tend to just get up and walk away, or they do the Irish goodbye of just leaving without ever saying anything. It drives my family nuts when I do that. In my world, it's not necessarily avoiding a terrible situation. It's a, I'm not contributing anything here. It's time to just walk away before I make things worse. 
So while it's often an internal reason for them leaving, other characters may be looking at it as, did I say something wrong? Did we offend them somehow? So it's a good way to create that animosity between two of your characters. To sum up, this particular type of character has to be seen as sort of conflicting as far as how the tertiary versus the bromance characters see this character. Watson sees Sherlock very differently than Anderson does. Most of the world and most of your tertiary characters are going to see your closed off character in a very particular kind of way. Even if it's not your main character, have both of these show up in your story and frequently. It's encouraged to have your bromance character literally spell it out. Go, no, this is how you made them feel, even though you were thinking this, so go apologize. It is going to be very common to have a character with even just a piece of this in their life because, well, we're authors. We tend to create characters with a bunch of tragic backstories. They're going to be guarded about something. So it will be good to understand how this works and then narrow it down to what works best for your character. This is not a character to avoid. A lot of our favorite characters are these misunderstood, close-to-the-chest, antisocial kinds of characters. Definitely lean into it, have fun with it, and write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 